Well, I hope you've enjoyed this series, Bless This Home. We are uh, in the final day of it today and jumping through the different elements of the Beatitudes has been rewarding when we're considering it through the lens ultimately of our home and really enjoying uh, every week we looked at, if you haven't been here, we looked at um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted, and now uh, today we're going to do blessed are the humble. And we've really rallied around this central thought that life is better with Jesus in the center, that we will live a more fulfilled life as a Christ-centered home. And what does this mean? How do we unpack that in the world we live in today? And so let's grab uh, Matthew 5, 3 through 5, our text for today. And if you've noticed, like this is, we're going in reverse. We talked about the latter portions of the Beatitudes, and this is really the foundational piece that we saved the best for last. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And while we're focused on verse 3 and 5 today, I want to pause even as Ed prayed for those in Orlando that faced um, our nation's largest mass shooting ever last night. Uh, But uh, as well, I I have a heavy heart for members of of our congregation who have lost loved ones recently. Um, Spencer's father passed away and Rami Malik's mom passed away and did a memorial service this week and and one of the champions of our community uh, Bruce Emig with Lions Club is is knocking on the door of going to meet Jesus and meeting with these different families really brings verse 4 alive um, which is blessed are those who mourn they will be comforted and Uh, I just want to pause for a moment and remember those families uh, of our own church, but those 50 families that are mourning this morning, just take one more moment and and pray for them. So God, I I do, you you encourage us to mourn with those who mourn. I don't know if we're that good at that, Uh, but God, help those be comforted. Fulfill that promise today in a big way for Spencer for Rami, for their families. Pray for the Emig family who's in town right now with their father, grandfather. I just pray that for those 50 families affected in Orlando from this just senseless violence. And I pray that God, you will bring comfort and peace that only you can bring. We trust you. We look to you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, in verse 5 there, uh, humility, humble, it defined humility as a grateful and spontaneous awareness that life is a gift. And it is manifested as an ungrudging and unhypocritical acknowledgement of absolute dependence upon God. 
The humility of the poor became ultimately a symbol of God followers in the early church. It was, it was not that they were literally poor. It's that, that they were poor in spirit in their pursuit of Jesus. The awareness that without God, we have absolutely nothing is key to our understanding. He is the beginning of everything. He's our center as we've been dialoguing in the series. And so our big idea today is humility is the foundation for blessing. I mean, we've been talking about blessed is this, blessed is that, blessed is that. But the foundation of it all, where it all begins, is humility. This humble spirit. The humble inherit the whole earth. That's an incredible promise. Like everything. So I think being humble is like, you know, although we might pridefully pursue everything, ultimately it's Jesus flips the chart, right? He comes and flips right side up what was flipped upside down and says, no, 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 no. Actually, if you become the servant of everyone, if you humble yourself, it'll elevate you. It's weird. The culture of Jesus was humble. He considered himself of no reputation. If you don't follow in the the simple way Jesus did, if you're not humble, if you would, then your reliance is on yourself. It's on your own generosity. It's on your own ways. But God's challenging us to rely on him. Today we're going to look at four thoughts that will help us unpack and maybe walk out humility in the world we live in today. And thought one is you you can't earn a blessed life. You can't earn it. You're not entitled to it, right? It's like you can't demand it from God. Why do we listen to that lie? I mean, we do. We give in. We're like, we're like, okay, God, I've worked hard enough now. I've earned this. It's my time. No, that's not. We're not promised that. We do. We buy the lie. We think if I'm good enough, then I fill in the blank. I volunteered to help the needy, so now God will, what? I gave in the offering, so now my car payments will stop coming. Wow, can that, does that work? I'm giving twice, you know, it's like, um, I gave a scholarship for kids to get to summer camp, so now God will... Lower the interest rate on my house. I don't know what it is, you know, but we do. We make choices like this. I volunteer at the food bank, so now I deserve what? What do we deserve? Like, do we deserve? Are we entitled to anything? How about if I go to church enough, I've, I've earned that promotion that they're giving out at work. I know I'm going to get it because, well, it's coming, so I better, I'm going to go to church this Sunday because... Uh, I know I have yard work, and I know I I have a tea time. I'm going to skip it. I'm going to cancel it. I'm going to go to church because I know they're giving out a promotion. So then I'll earn it. God will give me favor. The very word favor means undeserved grace from God, right? So why do we think we deserve it? Man, if I go to church enough, our marriage will be fixed. Now, statistically, there's some truth to that. There is some truth to that. Uh, If you read anything 
out there on marriage, it does make a positive impact on your marriage to go to church. But you, maybe it's like if I go to church enough, I've earned the right to be healed and this diagnosis will reverse. I mean, we tell ourselves these things. We believe these entitlements. And that's not how God works. A blessed life comes from humility. And we can discover that through the life of Jesus. I referenced there without, uh, I quoted it just a second ago, but it says this in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Draws the cleanest picture I can see in scripture. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him. God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, let us lock in on it. Entitlement will kill you. It will lead you down a path where you spiritually rot and die. You cannot elevate anything it's God who elevates us. It's God's choosing. Are you trying to earn favor with God? Do we deserve anything? I mean, I just want your brain to feel that today. What if we view ourselves in complete humility? What is possible if we do that? I mean, what if we consider ourselves humble and of no position? What might God be able to do through us? Because a works-based faith will do nothing but make you feel more a part of the scenario than you deserve to feel. We'll think it's, it's really as a result of our behavior that we were whatever, given that great job or have that great marriage, which means the person whose marriage fails then must not be as good as you? No, that's not the scenario. Matthew 23, 12 says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Are you in position to be humbled or exalted? I would rather be in the second camp because when God humbles people, that sounds brutal, doesn't it? It's just like... Okay, y'all, I'd rather be humble and be exalted than, than exalt myself and be humbled in front of who knows how many people. That just sounds painful. God elevates. God exalts. And we must live in a humble spirit, being like Jesus, a servant to all, letting humility be our goal, not what humility can earn us. We can't earn anything can't earn a blessed life. Thought two, pride leads to destruction. I mean, ultimately, pride is the spirit of entitlement, right? If entitlement had a spirit, pride. And it'll kill you. 
Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When rain come, the flood come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Is the foundation of your hope in the future centered around Jesus or your abilities? Is it centered on God elevating you and God exalting you? Are you giving praise to God for the blessings in your life? Or are you taking credit for them? Even though you know God's involved. I think this is the challenge that we face in a world that is less and less humble. Come on. We have very, very visible examples daily in the media of not humble people. I have a very visual example in my mind right now that I'm not going to share out loud, but combs his hair over it. Moving on. Uh, exalting yourself just makes us cringe, doesn't it? But yeah, we do it all the time. And we try to position ourselves and maybe step on others on the way to getting our blessing when God would say, what if you serve somebody? What if you put them before you? Then I'll exalt you. I'll the very thing you thought you were giving up, you'll get exponentially. Not, so we're not humble to get, but the reality of humility is we'll be exalted by God in his timing. If we build our homes, our life, on anything other than humility, if we're centered on anything other than Christ, then we're on shaky foundation, and we could very likely end in failure or destruction of ourselves. I mentioned that some have passed away in our relationship to our church and as well just over the last few months I feel like there's been a lot more uh, memorials and comfort and families and just dealing with loss of loved ones and one way shape or another through death or otherwise and praying for families to be comforted and loss is something and it's a privilege it's like this very uncomfortable privilege to serve people in that season but yet it's this beautiful moment in people's lives where everything becomes real and introspective and when it all comes down to it you can really discover what life is truly about my great-grandmother who is 94 years old I think now uh, has gotten to the season of life where she's in a home now and, and, and had over the course of the last year, they've been getting her home ready to sell and selling possessions. And I'll never forget hearing uh, my mom tell the stories about how painful it was for, for my great grandma or for my grandma uh, to, to watch some of these things go and people not even pay 50 cents to something that was just a treasure in her life. And, and yet, here she is, and people aren't visiting her, and people aren't coming by and stopping by, and, 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 and 
they said they were going to, but they haven't. And she's hurting because she's like, her stuff is gone. There's no people. And it's really this blatant revelation of what matters most in our life. I mean, we put our trust in so much stuff, so many things. But when it comes to the end, things aren't going to show up to our memorial service and share memories and, and give thanks. They don't set a legacy for us. They don't impact a generation after a generation. And it sure makes me think. It makes me go, oh, my goodness, relationship is what matters. Those who we lifted up will remember the time when we gave them a lift up. That's what humility is. Humility is serving. Humility is coming alongside and helping someone else be elevated beyond where we are because we considered ourselves of lesser reputation than them. We're helping. Humility is a critical element to life's fulfillment. People you impact will show up. They will give thanks. Humility will lead you to serve. It'll lead you to, to exalt others before you exalt yourself. But in reality, God exalts you when you do that. And you have an opportunity to live a life to the full through lifting others. Thought three, love is the center of humility. I mean, ultimately, love is what inspires action. When we get to a moment in our life where we have a choice, man, what should I do with this? When you pray for somebody, when you love somebody, you'll take action. You can't help but act. So if we ready ourselves through love, it's so powerful. We believe life is better with Jesus at the center. We've said that repeatedly during the course of this series. And when you're loved by God, and when you love God, you love people. That's just a result of our faith. Romans 12.10 says it this way. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. What is honor? Honor is the same thing. It's lifting someone up. It's giving them honor. Honor is simply lifting someone else. And in order to lift others... You have to humble yourself to take a position to lift them, right? Honor doesn't pull someone up. Well, I'm so good. I'm up high. I'm going to pull you up here with me. No, that's exalting. Humility has us get down and be a foundation to help lift them up and be in the honored position. Our Sumner campus pastor, Brent Osborne, uh, sent out an Instagram post the other night, uh, which will pop up here. Pretty simple. Um, it was a picture of his wife and his son, and they're going out on a date. And it's hard to read there maybe for you, but uh, the fact that they're, he got on his good clothes and they were going out for a date was cute and all. But knowing that I was given this talk and that we had prepped this, this message, the hashtag that caught my attention here with the thought of honor was hashtag open the door. Isn't that, what, isn't that what opening the door is? It's like it's serving. It's like giving honor. It's giving respect. It's, it's chivalry or whatever you want to call it, right? It's this, this moment of, man, you, 
I am going to honor you by opening this door so you don't have to do it. It's just, that's a great example of honor, is the heart to train up even a child in giving a selfless act in honor. Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Like, it doesn't say thinking of some people as better than yourselves. It's all inclusive. Others. Anyone else. No matter how they dress, live, where they live, what language they speak. Others. Don't look out only for your own interests, verse 4, but take an interest in others too. Man, it just reminds me of how Jesus would challenge his disciples continually. Look, see, hear. Those who have eyes to see will, and he would unpack some lesson. Look, and then he would teach something. If we'll just open our eyes, and not to our own interests, but to see what others need, God will use us in so many ways. We can't prescribe it. It's impossible to prescribe. But if you did want a very practical challenge, I've got one for you this week. Just for fun. Just to see what God may do. And what you might discover through it. If you want to discover humility this week, do a couple things. Open door, open the door for someone. When you get to the door first, let the person behind you go through first. Isn't that interesting? How many times have you been the next person and someone goes through and lets go of the door? Right? I always mess around with our kids and like smack the door and then go, oh, 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 and just watch their eyes. Just for fun. Walk into poles accidentally, but I really didn't. I just did the king. And then my five-year-old's like, that's funny. And he runs into it with his face. <laughs> I didn't really. Sorry, bud. What if you have an opportunity to go first, but you go second this week? I don't know what that is. Elevator. Stairs. Entering the train to work. Getting into traffic. Whoa, now that. Whoa, now. That's a little challenging. Getting your coffee. No, I got to have coffee to go second. That's impossible. Before I get my coffee, I cannot. I don't know. What is that, you know? Um, watch. This is what's so interesting to me, though. Because people don't, they're less and less likely to serve in this way, to humble themselves in this way in our culture. But it's funny when I do that, when I just get a door and open it and go, here you go. People are, they look at you. It's like this look, like, you know, it's, it's, that's not a Washington thing. What are you doing? Where did you just move here? You know, <laughs> where are you from? No, I'm grown up here my whole life, you know, just trying to be nice. I don't go, let me get the door for you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Have a blessed day now. Then they'll look at you in a different way, like, you know, now you're the freak. That's not the goal. The goal is just serve unconditionally. Just serve and, and watch their face. Because it will, you, you'll notice it. Get the door for somebody. It's that simple. Go second when you have the chance to go first. If there's somebody there 
Like, and so I could see people right now. You're going to be in line somewhere, and you're just going to be waiting for a second person so that you could step aside. It's going to confuse everybody, but watch their face. It'll be entertaining. And you'll learn something. You'll discover something in that moment. Thought four. Simply put, humility is freeing. Humility, living out a life that is humble, man, there's so much freedom in it. Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, take my yoke upon you, which really is his teaching, his way of life. The, uh, the priests and teachers of the law of that day called their teaching, like their practice, their, their rules and regulations for the disciples that followed them, their yoke. So he's like, take my yoke, take my way upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You'll find rest for your souls. Humility is freeing means that heavy weight of responsibility, living a life that was centered around me, can be lifted. And now I'm centered, my life is balanced on Jesus, because life is better with Jesus at the center. Humility takes the pressure off of you and places it just center on God's work and presence in your life, his promises. Humility leads to spiritual rest when the constant search for significance or importance is washed away. Your importance and significance is in Jesus. God did not intend for you to carry that pressure on yourself to discover significance. He wants to elevate you. He wants to do that work for you. So those are some powerful, powerful realities of humility. And as you discover it, as you walk in it, it'll transform your life. So simply the action point for today and this series, I guess you could say, is live humbly. Live humbly. Discover the fruit that's on the other side. Now, I couldn't think of a better way to have a response time today. We do want to know what God's doing in your heart so you can pull your connection card out and look at the back of it and Maybe if you, you're responding in some way or you have a prayer request, you can fill that out. But I also add the reality of, man, a powerful way to celebrate being humble and really aligning ourselves with the humility of putting Jesus at the center would be to celebrate the conclusion of this series with communion. Well, what is communion? Jesus, when he was about to go to the cross and fully obey God, in a humble way to the cross, as we read earlier in Philippians 2. He, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, it's broken for you. And then he took a cup and said, drink in remembrance of my blood, which is shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And they didn't get it at the time, but it was symbolism, the same as today in this French bread and this grape juice. It's, an, it's a representation of his body. And we dip it in the juice and then take it as a remembrance of his body and blood that was humbled for us. And now we're saying by taking these elements, okay, Jesus, you're at the center. Jesus, your body was broken for me. It's not about me. The pressure's on you. I'm yours, Jesus. That's why we receive communion together.
And what a beautiful way. What we do is we'll, I'll have you stand if you want. Makes it easier to kind of shuffle your way over to the, so if you could stand. It was a slow response. I, I lulled you to sleep there. It was the music. It's like, yeah, communion, bro. Um, it's funny. Every time you come out and play for the action point, I talk a lot. You're going to tease me about that later. But anyway, it's, uh, uh, it is. I do that to her. Uh, here's what we're going to do is, is I'm going to pray for you. And then as you feel led, you can make your way while the worship team is singing to, to the elements. And you just simply dip the bread and, and take it. You don't have to go back to your seat and wait for all of us to take it at once. You just grab those elements. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can receive communion today. And so what if you're not? Like, what if you're yet to get there? It's okay. The Bible just challenges us not to receive communion unless we've chosen Jesus or else we kind of drink judgment on ourselves. And that's a whole nother lesson. But trust me, I'll give you an opportunity right now to respond if you've yet to respond to Jesus so you can receive communion and declare Jesus is going to be at the center of my life. God, I thank you for what you've done in our lives throughout this series, helping us learn your justice and and to live in a pure heart and a, in a way that honors you and to make an impact and in others even when we're persecuted. God, I give you praise for what you're doing in and through our lives and, and now today to realize the foundation of a fulfilled life, a life that's centered around Jesus is humility, putting others first, considering ourselves less than others and, and honoring others. God, I pray right now that you will come and you will give us a conviction to walk that out. And that we'll notice the difference in others' lives when we elevate them, when we put others first, when we serve others out of love, the difference and the freedom that will come into our life realizing we don't have to exalt ourselves. We don't have to elevate our lives. You bless us in that way. It's up to you and we trust you to do it. Today, God, if there's somebody here who's been exploring you and they've yet to cross over that line of faith, They've yet to say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I say yes to you. I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. I pray they would just simply do that now, that they would say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. And in, in doing that, and they would discover in the coming weeks what that means. They would unpack that relationship with you and begin to grow in that relationship. But that today, man, they could celebrate maybe for the first time in communion what you did in your body and your blood for us. We give you praise for it. And we take these elements today as a congregation saying we humble ourselves. We're considering the reality that you're at the center and we're your servants, Jesus. Use us in this community. Use us in this world to be those that would love as you loved. In your name we pray. Amen.